RBN. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting week as we wrap up a set of trading on the day today. Of course, we look at what's been happening within the markets. And we talked to 620 Corn back on Monday. We talked a little bit about it on Tuesday. And then we saw what happened in the trade action for today. So a little bit of excitement going on within the grain complex. Having said that, we saw a little bit of excitement as well on the livestock side of the trade. We're going to take a look at that. A lot of uh, old crop, new crop thoughts as well as PJ Conrad joins us. He is with Trade Offs. And let's start looking at what happened in this corn market today because I know earlier in the week we saw that 620. We ended up finishing on the nearbys at 633 and a quarter. So nothing to be too upset about. Uh, no, been a great week, Susan. I mean, really been a great last uh, month, give or take, really a uh, couple months. But, um, no, this week was interesting. Like you said, we had a great close last week, <clears throat> came in this week, popped up right away Monday. You had a little bit of nervousness maybe Tuesday when you had that high run up and you come back down. We kept building on it. It feels like we're, we are continually adding in some risk premium into the market. Um, you look at corn or soybeans, there's a lot of different things going on. Um, but I can tell you that, Fundamentally, in the U.S., we are also you know, a month away or two months away, excuse me, from the planning intentions report. And seasonally, we rally into the end of February or the end of the March contract. So I like being proactively patient in this uh, situation and still making sales. But anytime you're knocking on contract highs in corn and putting new contract highs in, in the soybean world, uh, it's good to lay off some risk at uh, what are the highs today. So having said that, I mean, we look at the way these numbers are, and folks maybe have some old crop that's still sitting in the bins. Uh, what should they be doing at this point with old crop corn? Um, you know, see, I think the thing with old crop, and and what I've communicated to my clients, there's a couple different schools of thought on it. Um, a, you got to get to a point where you're content of where the price, you know, if the price drops a dollar, you're not mad about it. So whatever percentage that is, I would try to really uh, tell you to go get sold to say that. Uh, whether that's leaving 10% of the farm unsold or keeping ownership of some sort of, say, 20%. So if it does go a dollar higher, you're still actively participating. But you got to get to where you feel content in that situation and know that the market can do erratic things. And I do, you know, on a flip side of basis, too, we've seen basis really pull back from where it was, say, two or a month and a half ago. And so as we look at that, it's also the thing of if you're going to move corn in the next 60 days, I wouldn't be afraid to get on the stick and go make some cash sales right now and just say I'm happy with where it is. The market's inverted, what, four cents, three cents? It's telling you it wants it today. Reward the market and, and kind of have you know those gambling bushels or however you want to view it. Get those done. And if you're already to that point or you aren't in a uh, position logistically to move more corn, whether it be buying puts or selling, say, the Mayboard, what have you, get some downside price protection if you're not to that point um, from a, a percentage standpoint that you can stand to watch it go a dollar lower or a dollar higher. What about from the soybean side of it with old crop? Uh, I think, honestly, beans, the funny thing with soybeans is, is their yearly average and uh, seasonal average, which we call, you know, say, April 1st through the end of August, aren't dramatically different. Um, you know, in Nebraska, by and large, a lot of people move their beans at harvest and either look at some sort of reownership 
or just completely content with where they're at. So if you are holding on to some old crop beans, good good on you. It's it's worked out great. We are adding in a lot of uh, premium here for South American bean drier, smaller crop down there. We're selling beans, too. Uh, Fulton to China last night. There's a lot of positivity there, but as fast as corn could shave off, you know, say, 40 cents and go back to that $6 handle, beans could also go back to, uh, what, 13.50, and it wouldn't surprise anybody because that's where we were literally 10 days ago. So we were at 13.50, give or take, 10 days ago on the 18th of January. Here we are today at, uh, what, 14.70, uh, right around the close here. So to me, and really in corn or beans, there's no bad decision you can make right now because they're profitable decisions. The question is, is managing your risk and your risk tolerance within this market because I think there's enough outside factors that are out of our control that if anybody's trying to pick a high or a low, uh, could be a pretty brutal rest of the year for them. Especially when you look at the new crop in both corn and beans and you wonder the what if. As uh, you know, you've got those outside influences from the Fed to what's happening globally with weather to what's happening globally with uh, political action. There's a lot of fingers in this pot to affect this grain price. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it really, I think this year, probably a lot more than other years, it does seem like we have a lot of factors that could uh, railroad the market. Uh, some things, and I'll reference them because I can't hear, I got a lot of these from Joe Vakovic. He's a guy out of Tennessee. Um, but he kind of put together a list of 10 things that could be wild cards. Uh, you, you mentioned some, you know, inflation, interest rates, supply chain issues, COVID inputs. And one that we haven't talked about at all today is the acreage number uh, where that shakes in at. And I think you're starting to see that conversation pop up more and more is if South America is short cropped on beans, which it appears today they are, and how to what degree we don't know, that kind of puts the pressure back on us of how many beans are we going to have to plant. But right now it's telling us that uh, inputs, inputs aside, it still makes more sense to plant corn than soybeans uh, from running a pencil. And that's going to be an interesting conversation that's going to heat up dramatically here in the next uh, 30 to 60 days. I say definitely something we're going to keep a close eye on. We'll stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue here at the Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to take a little look at what's happening ethanol margins. And, of course, on the flip side, we saw the higher numbers in the uh, livestock today, but higher feed costs. Is that making some folks a little nervous out there? More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Talk to any of your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealers, and they're going to tell you performance is one of the keys to their success. Here's Chris Ross, a dealer near Plattsmouth, Nebraska. A lot of the guys that I work with, I have sold seed to their fathers and their grandfathers, so it goes back many years. I think when a grower calls me and says that he's getting the best yields that he's ever gotten on a farm, uh, it really is a very rewarding experience. It makes you feel really good about the product. For more, just go to Fontenelle.rvn. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing a conversation this afternoon with PJ Conrad. He is with Trados. So let's take a look at uh, ethanol margins. Some say we're starting to see a deterioration in some of these numbers. What are you hearing out there? Uh, I would agree. And I'm no ethanol expert, but what I've read and uh, witnessed, it does seem like ethanol margins have come down. Hanging around more of that break even is slightly positive on a broad scale. 
Um, really, if you look back at the history of ethanol, though, it, it operates quite well at break even as well. So when you start getting those massively negative margins that uh, everyone wants to shutter things or pull way back, I don't think we're to that point yet. Um, it could have come, sure. We've added ethanol stocks pretty uh, pretty consistently here year week over week. Maybe our travel picks back up as the weather gets nicer, though, and you don't hear as much about COVID. Or you are seeing, you know, France and, and I don't know the other countries, but they're opening wide open again and saying, you know what, it is what it is. We're ready to take on uh, whatever sickness may arise. So that comes to the U.S. sooner rather than later. Uh, I think it'd be positive for ethanol for sure. So let's look at, uh, before we jump over to livestock, I'm curious about China. Are we going to see them become more aggressive um, in the U.S. market purchasing, considering everything that's been happening in South America and just the world in general? I think so. I mean, you know, you look at, like you said, everything happening worldwide, Ukraine, Russia, um, and then you got everything going on in South America, issues, supply issues everywhere, getting to ports, et cetera, et cetera. The one thing the U.S., even though we have our we have our faults internally of how we our supply chain issues here, um, we are still incredibly efficient about getting things to places. So, assuming we can keep the keep the boats in the water, it'd be advantageous for China to continually be a buyer from us. And yeah, I don't know how they want to spend it politically, but you know that everyone keeps bringing up the Phase One deal that hasn't been fulfilled. And is China trying to you know make good on that to at least uh, maybe alleviate some other political pressures that are above my pay grade to even talk about? Um, the one thing I think that doesn't get brought up enough, though, and uh, maybe you've talked about another segment, Susan, and maybe I'm a day or two behind, but the BN Railroad, if they do go to a strike, I don't know if that necessarily affects our futures market, at least not in the short term, I wouldn't think. But it definitely would affect your uh, truck, your ethanol corn basis, because you're going to take a pretty massive player that if if they're running on reduced numbers, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to focus more on the higher dollar things, say uh, actual food and whatever else that they can haul and not worry about grains. Well, you got a lot of elevators out in the country that have stuff sold uh, for shipment this winter on the BN rail line that are then going to have to spin out of that go into an ethanol sale, which could completely crush basis. Uh, and I'm not trying to scare anyone. It's just the reality of the matter that if the strike does happen, it could be uh, not good for basis for sure internally, but hopefully they get that resolved and we don't see a strike. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that w- that we need to continue to focus on. So let's look at the livestock side of the trade. Obviously, we saw some nice prices for a Friday, but as grain prices continue to edge up, is there some nervous or justified nervous on the livestock side looking at their bottom line? Most definitely. And I think when you look at the livestock side of things, grains haven't hit their you know 10-year highs, but they've got close. We've seen some $7 corn, et cetera, where cattle, it seems like we're still trying to inch higher into this. Uh, I'm not saying not do anything. So I think if you, if you know your numbers where you're at or you have protection on, say, your feed cost, and then you're going to turn around and uh, know you're making money at, say, what, uh, April fats are at uh, buck 43 on the close. So in the event that's profitable for you, 
there's no reason not to take some risk off the table just because a uh, cattle on feed report last week was also bearish and we saw things really pull back and now we've added back to it. Um, but moving forward, I, A, it's always a good idea to know your numbers, but B, could there be a, a longer uh, tail to this, so to speak, of cattle putting in highs later just because of the offset of things? It takes longer you know, as grain's more expensive and maybe there's less feeders out there to buy as people call herds here in the next, you know, this last year and then moving into this year. Could you see a higher price and an explosion maybe in that market? I would hope they have their day in the sun and not that we're at bad prices, but relatively speaking, uh, it'd be nice for them to get another leg higher and, and at least get to some of those levels and test some highs from uh, the last decade. Definitely. And before you know it, grilling season will be here, so we'll be able to uh, kick it up a notch there as well. Yep, and hopefully, uh, you know, every, everywhere is pretty well back open, but, uh, you know, some of your major cities still, New York, uh, California, et cetera, still have a lot of, of uh, sanctions in place. That's good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, you can call me at 402-858-7529 or uh, find us at any social media platform at Trados LLC. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio.